Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info. Last year, U.S. retail sales of essential oils topped $133 million. And that number doesn't include sales from multi-level marketers who sell directly to buyers. While the market booms with promises of improved health and pain relief, there are some safety concerns. Georgia Health News reporting found essential oils contributed to two calls per day on average to the Georgia Poison Center. And usually it is children who are being poisoned. Andy Miller is CEO and editor of Georgia Health News, and he joins us to talk about the benefits and risks of essential oils and what they pose to Georgians, as well as a variety of other health topics. Andy, as always, welcome. Good to be here. So it seems like essential oils are pretty much everywhere nowadays, from grocery stores to they're popping up all over on social media. How do we actually define essential oils? What they uh, basically are are highly concentrated extracts from plants. And what they're used for by consumers to improve health, improve mood, relieve pain. Uh, They're inhaled. They're uh, used as ointments and lotions. And as you say, the the growth of these sales is, is pretty amazing. So given the promises made to improve health or relieve pain from insomnia, arthritis, migraines, does testing bear that out? Well, they're not as tested, anywhere near as as tested as, let's say, a prescription drug, okay? They're not nearly as regulated either. But there has been some research that that shows that uh, some hospitals and clinics use a mixture of ginger, spearmint, peppermint, cardamom uh, for surgery patients to to reduce their nausea after surgery. Uh, there's been research about lavender oil being able to lower stress. There's been uh, some effects, anti-inflammatory effects that have been shown as a result of use of some of these um, essential oils. Uh, inhaling lemongrass can prevent anxiety, uh, according to some of these. Now, these studies are pretty limited. But they do show that if used as intended, they can have some positive effects. Are they regulated at all by the FDA? They're not. Generally, they are not. And so uh, it's very important for consumers to read the label, take as directed, and if they have any questions, go to a medical professional and ask, should I be using this? Well, this is certainly something, you know, I have essential oil products, but what risks are associated with them? Well, there, there have been, uh, let's, let's focus on adults first. There have been reports of uh, consumers, adults, having chemical burns as a result, uh, allergic reactions to certain essential oils, respiratory distress. So there have been a number of reports of problems. And, and in particular in Georgia, but elsewhere, children are most at risk for coming into contact with these oils. Why is that? Well, children have thin skin. Okay, that's one thing, especially young, very young children. And their livers are not mature. So if they rub up, if, a, if an infant newborn rubs up against his or her mom who is using maybe one of these lotions, they can have a reaction to it. Plus, you have cases, and the Georgia Poison Center points it out, that if these are consumed, if there's a vial laying around and a child, young child, gets into them and, and tastes, that could be a serious health problem. Mm. And, and we have an example of 
a kid who took eucalyptus oil that had to be hospitalized. Well, are there particular essential oils that people and children, as people with children especially, should be con- conscious about? Well, there's several. There's camphor, there's lavender, eucalyptus, as I mentioned, wintergreen, thyme, clove. All these, all these uh, particular oils can be a problem if they are taken in the wrong way, particularly by children who are, who are essentially swallowing some of this. So what are the poison centers and other researchers suggest? What, what are the precautions? Even these things that are they're marketed as natural or, or organic, which of course so are poison. So what kind of precautions should parents take? Uh, I would say just keeping them out of out of reach of children, just like they would keep a prescription drug out of the reach of a child, and take as directed, and you know, be conscious of if you have a, a newborn or even if if you're a pregnant mom, you should talk to your doctor about should I use this uh, and could it harm the fetus if I do. Oh, and also breastfeeding. That's something else I read. And that's correct. If if the child, uh, if a lotion's being used and, and the, the infant is, is rubbing up against it, it could be a could cause a severe problem. I'm speaking with Andy Miller. He's CEO and editor of Georgia Health News, uh, making sure children are safer on essential oils. But that's not the only thing we'd like to talk about today. Let's talk about waivers. Recently, last week, announced that Deloitte Counseling, Consulting rather, won the contract to help the state of Georgia develop health care waivers for Georgia's Medicare program and the private insurance market. Here is this is the result of the Patients First Act signed back in March. Here's Governor Kemp upon signing the bill. Through the Patients First Act, we will address Georgia problems with innovative Georgia solutions. We will advance policies that ensure a brighter and healthier future for our state. Well, you spoke with us previously, Andy, about the developing this and a consulting firm working on it. So what is Deloitte's role in all of this? They will put together, Virginia, two waiver proposals for the federal government. Basically, a waiver is a federal approval to change a particular health program, such as Medicaid or the Health Insurance Exchange. Deloitte will develop two, one for Medicaid and one for the Health Insurance Exchange. And they'll have their deadline is basically the end of the year. They have to come up with these proposals and be able, and the, for the state to be able to submit them to the feds. By the end of the year. What gave Deloitte the edge in the bidding war for this really big contract? Well, I think it's uh, it, they, the contract was $1.9 I, I think it was basically their expertise. They've, they, Deloitte has helped 13 states develop or implement waivers. Their work, they work with something like 30 Medicaid programs overall, and they have some, some former state Medicaid directors as consultants. And uh, the, the state, the Georgia officials who I talked to said experience was probably the number one factor that got them the bid. There has been some murmur of potential direct primary care option for developing the program going forward. What does that entail? That's basically a, a new style of medical care where a patient would give a set amount of money per month to a doctor and there would be no kind of insurance claims processing. It would be that doctor taking care of that patient. And, and the goal would be to kind of simplify that process and make it less administrative burdensome for the doctor so that he or she could see more patients that way or, or fewer patients that way. Um, and so that's one idea. Another idea is reinsurance, which other states have done, is basically 
that is compensating health insurers if they have a lot of really high-cost patients that they would get extra money to care for them. Both those ideas are out there. There are other private insurance ideas that are out there that some consumer groups are worried about. And those would be, are they going to take away some benefits that are essential in order to make the price lower? So, so there's all sorts of different things that they, the, the, the waiver process could come up with. Andy, we've got just a couple minutes left, but DeKalb County just received $1.5 million from the CDC to be one of three pilot sites nationwide. This is for testing a federal program to help prevent the spread of HIV. Why was DeKalb selected for this program? Well, one th- I have to believe one of the reasons is because simply because the CDC headquarters is based here. And, but, but another is that Georgia has a very high rate of new HIV infections. It's either the leading state or number two. Uh, metro Atlanta is the number three metro area in terms of new HIV infections. So, so this is a real hot spot and, and, and a real good target area for this pilot program. So what does the program entail? Well, it's going to put this money into increased testing. It's going to put the money into keeping people who have HIV in care so it doesn't get worse and it's not spread. And also, it's going to promote or encourage the use of what's called PrEP, which is a a pill that people can take who are at risk of getting HIV to prevent them from getting HIV. And it's a very costly drug, and so I'm sure some of that money will go to defray the cost of that. Okay. Is this part of also the Trump administration's announced program to help spread, help prevent the spread of HIV? It is. They, they have a very ambitious goal to reduce new infections 75 percent in the next five years, 90 percent over the next 10 years. And that, it's extremely ambitious, but it, but it also has... Uh, really kind of excited public health people on this issue because they know what a huge toll HIV takes. We have 60,000 people in the state that are living with HIV right now. Annie Miller, thank you so much for updating us. Good to be here.